something's happening. We got to go places. We have things to do. Uh, even in ministry, even in church, we come in and we feel like we got a lot to do. And uh, there are other people taking care of things as we are in here worshiping. And uh, how many appreciate the security team? Come on, somebody ought to give God praise for the security team. Hey, in a world like ours today in America, how many really appreciate the security team? I know I do. I don't preach with a bulletproof vest. One reason I'm ready to go if he's ready to take me. He can use a maniac. I said he can use a maniac. How many know the maniac don't have control over the destiny of my life? Only God has the last say. But I'm certainly glad to have a security team that's mean and bad. Mess with them. I dare you to mess with Oak Grove's security team. They'll put you out. In the name of Jesus, of course. Praying, laying hands on you suddenly. Get out of hand and see if it happens. No, I really appreciate that. As a pastor, I appreciate ushers, greeters. I appreciate helpers and nursery workers and children's workers and, and people in the sound and the media. Give them, all, give them all a big hand. Hey, thank you. Thank you. We couldn't do what we do. The worship team, the instrumentalist, and uh, Melissa and I get the privilege of just leading the church and pastoring. That's, that's a lot, too. That's a lot, too. Our hearts are broken. We lost one of our members. Um, and um, and I know that um, you've been praying for Dennis Noble family. We had the funeral on Friday. Uh, I believe it was Thursday. Thursday. It's a long week. Uh, Vera was in the hospital. Brother Lindsay was in the hospital. And I think they're both going to be out today, which is good news. Amen. We're hoping. And I think she had some more of an infection that caused caused her to be a little bit disoriented. But I think she's going to be all right. And uh, then, of course, Brother Jamie went to Indiana, had a double funeral. Big, A lot of things happened this week. And so I'm glad you made it. If you're watching online, God has a word for you this morning. How many came to receive something from the Lord? I hope you have. We're in our uh, series on the Holy Spirit. This is lesson number four. And uh, we had testimonies. You say, Pastor, you only it's 11 o'clock. You only got 20 minutes to raise the dead. So the Spirit will do it. I can never resurrect anybody, but the Spirit can. So I'm trying to get a, a connection. If I can get that to go to me, I will. I will. There you go. Thank you. Purify. Somebody shout purify. Purify. Sanctification. It's a $90 million word, theological term. Just means God wants to purify our hearts. And uh, there's nothing like a pure heart. There's nothing like a clear conscience. And Satan works overtime to make us feel guilty, shamed, um, defeated, uh, less than what God has made us to be. I mean, God wants us to be the best we can be in him. His goal is for us to be like him. Anybody here want to be more like Jesus? Of course you do. You're just getting your notes and your pen and your paper together. Because you're so ready to take notes. I know that's what's happening. Uh, so, so don't forget. So don't forget. God's goal is for you and I to be sanctified. Purified. Perfected in holiness. Those are, those are some synonymous words for sanctification. It's a big deal. And in the Simmons of God, we believe in instant sanctification. Or uh, God saves us by his blood. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Anybody pro- uh, grateful for the provision he made for us on the cross. And that that gives us the position of uh, being righteous. In other words, he he redeemed us. I'm glad to be saved about you. I have been saved and I know that I am. And therefore, I stand justified, 
redeemed, covered, uh, taken care of, right? In good standing, I have access to God now. You know what every false religion is looking for today? Access to God. For God is a spirit, and they can't seem to put uh, a connection, uh, so they make false gods, stone gods, and they put lemons in front of it and little cats waving their hands and all kinds of things that they do so they can get a connection with a God they don't know. And this God they don't know, many false uh, uh, religions, they try to make merit. They try to get good enough for God to save them. So, so they're always afraid of God. God can never get access to God. If I got near God, he would be upset with me. He would uh, pour his wrath on me because I am no good. They got half of it right. We may be no good, but how many know God is good? And the fact is, we're only no good because we disobeyed God. The only reason we don't have access to God anymore is because we disobeyed God's command. Do not eat of the fruit of this tree. If you eat of this fruit, uh, uh, you will surely die. Surely die. Death is not the cessation of life. Death is separation. Death is separation. Out of the garden you go. But is there anybody here thankful that we have a Redeemer, Jesus Christ? who died on the cross with his own blood, and God accepted the sacrifice. Now you and I have access back to God. And that's what every false religion is looking for. How many know there's only one name under heaven whereby we might be saved? It's Jesus. There's only one way into being holy or being made holy, and that's through the blood of Jesus. So that's justification. Then there is what we're talking about today, sanctification. And that is not only by our faith, in God's redeeming work through his son Jesus, through the blood, you accept him by faith, right? Then you're justified. I stand complete and righteous in him. Within myself, there's no righteousness, Max. There's none, no righteous, no, not one. None of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is everybody, can I go on to the next point? You never know that you need to be saved until you realize that you're lost. And without God, we're all lost. So that's justification. Sanctification is the next level, which is where we're going to be today. And I got to move because, you know, uh, I don't know. It's still hanging up on me. I might be out of batteries. Let's look at the text. First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace. How many love that title for our God? The God of peace. The God who made peace. Hallelujah. Through Jesus Christ, we're at made peace and access back to God. God of peace himself, not an angel, not Pastor Ron, not the assemblies of God. God himself is going to sanctify you. And not halfway, but completely, or the King James, holy, right? Completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, not perfect, not perfect, in fact, if we could just get a call right now for all the perfect people, would you please come now? That's what I thought. So the blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this. For he who calls you is faithful, who's also going to do it. Do what? Make you blameless. Your right standing is only going to be because of the power of the cross. I hope everybody's got that. That's salvation. That's redemption. But today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's work in sanctification. It's just a long term, a long, long term that has, uh, that has a lot of people in the church confused. But I, I think it's an incredible 
promise here. If we allow God, he himself will sanctify us. Sanctify is a word that means to be made holy. Right? To be made holy. Sanctification. Sanctified to be separate, pulled apart, set apart, to be made holy. Sanctification. Made holy. So in ourselves, we're not holy. But in him, I mean, oh, he makes us holy. Remember when he told his disciples, Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Remember that? So they, they said, well, we, we fish. We're professionals. Hey, your fishing is no good in eternity. There's no stinky, smelly fish in heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you people who know how to get a hold of people to lead them into the same humble process of being sanctified that, that uh, all the rest of us are in. Sanctification cannot be self. There's no self-righteousness, and there's no self-holiness. And so I just want to take the pressure off. This topic is such a hard topic. Pastor Josiah, it's a hard topic because people are, are trying so hard to be righteous. In fact, the Jews uh, and, and all the religious leaders made a list about 969 laws about how you have to be walking in righteousness and holiness to appease God. I mean, no, that's just as bad as any other false teaching who tries to make merit. And I understand faith without works is dead, but you are never going to be good enough in yourself to become holy. God has to make us holy. Everybody good so far? So when we think of all that needs to be done in our lives, we begin to wonder exactly what it will take to blast the resistance of our flesh into sanctification before the Lord. I found the enemy, and it is I. <laughs> I don't know who your problem is or what your problem is in attaining righteousness or holiness or living in, in blameless before the Lord, but I met the enemy, and it is me. I love to blame the assemblies of God. I love to blame the church. I love to blame my upbringing, my parents. But how many know my problem is me? How about you? And we live in a world that's trying to toss the blame. Isn't that exactly what Adam and Eve did? Upon disobedience, they began to blame. God went to Adam, hey, what are you doing, son? Well, it's that woman you gave me. If you left me here by myself, I'd still be in perfection. Oh, y'all need to help me preach a little bit. But you gave me that woman, and she's the one, and, and you know, she called me over, and, whoa, whoa, man, she's so beautiful that I fell for the bite of the apple or whatever it was. Remember, it wasn't, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the fruit in the tree. It was the pear on the ground. That was the problem. <laughs> and so I met the enemy, and it is I. Quit blaming everybody. So when God went to Eve, he said, oh, Eve said, he said, oh, serpent, it's that thing you created. You wouldn't have created that little devil to talk to me. I wouldn't have come, succumbed to that. I mean, all we have to do is listen to what God's word says and obey it. Quit throwing the blame everywhere. But we live in a culture today in America, don't we, where it's everybody else's fault. I'm not where I ought to be because of you. If the church was this and if the worship was that and if the preacher was this, I'd be all right. If my mom and dad was this or that, I'd be perfect. It's all the people around me. That's why I am like I am. But at the end of the day, how many know that doesn't settle? 
And so we want to live a holy life, but our fears say that we'll be, it'll take a prolonged time. How many know it'll take the rest of my life to get holy? Right? Spiritual warfare to conquer my carnal man. In contrast, the text here says, uh, God will make it happen. He's faithful. He wants you to be holy. He made you holy by what he did, not what you do. You see that? It's important that you catch that. If you don't catch the first part of justification, you'll never understand the progress of sanctification. Now, in the assemblies of God, we believe we're sanctified immediately. The thief on the cross was sanctified immediately. Right? In essence, he was justified. He never got baptized in water. He never spoke in tongues. He never joined this Oak Grove Assembly of God. What a detriment. And yet he still went to heaven. He never passed through Springfield, Missouri, and he still made heaven. I can't even imagine that. Like, doesn't everybody come down Boonville before they go up to heaven? So God makes it happen, and and, and it's, it's like this. God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Now, we've taken that in our culture today. There's God loves you. God accepts you, and that's true. I mean, no, that's true. He loves you just the way you are. But the rest of the story is he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. So we have churches today that are embracing and endorsing all kinds of behavior that is not holy. And then we have other churches that are saying, do this, this, and this, and that, and you'll attain holiness. But that's not good either. I mean, the Holy Spirit works with us. And together, we're becoming all that he wants us to be. 1 John 1, 9 says, for as many as received him. How many here received Christ already in your heart? Let me see your hand. Wave it at me. God likes a little action. There you go. Some of you didn't wave your hand. You need to be up here getting saved today. Or pay attention when I'm speaking to you. So for as many as received him, to them gave he, gave he power. Power for what? Power to become the sons of God. Now the Bible says sons, he means mankind. Right now, everything's censored and everything is supposed to be gender related. So you can't say man. You can't even say he. You can't say she. I mean, no, you can't say anything. It's just a, a censorship of the word of God. I mean, no, there's only two genders, not 95. Two, male and female. There's only one God, not a plethora of gods. One God, one man, one woman. That's it. Don't confuse the world. It's too simple to mess it up. But yet we got pronoun issues and, and we're redefining vocabulary. Some of the students, I was bringing them to camp this past week, and uh, I said um, something about, oh, uh, I think I said to Kaylee, your daddy is on his way to Indiana. And the kids said, Pastor, don't say daddy. I said, why? What did I do wrong? They said, well, in culture today, pop culture today, daddy is bad. I said, I know that the world's been trying to make daddy bad for a long time. I mean, no, daddy was created in the image of God. In fact, Abba means God is our father. But our culture's taken something sacred and turned it into something wicked. So now preachers don't even know how to say anything. But you, can I tell you, this word is unadulterated. Purify the word of God. Don't take something pure and... <laughs> are y'all hearing me? I don't care how old you are. You got to learn culture, and culture's languages change, right? But the language of the Bible never changes, right? And you can take sanctification and call it purity, 
but doesn't mean you change the essence of what it means. Still means get in right with God and stay right with God. Get to the destination of walking in holiness, walking in purity. So the legalistic people made holiness far reaching and never get to it. And then the, and then the liberals made holiness so accessible anybody can be holy. Just go to church and you're holy. I mean, no, that's a lie. Let me preach to the people listening. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, exercising spiritual language of tongues, doesn't improve your status with God. I mean, God loves you before you spoke in tongues. God loved you before you got baptized in water. God loved you before you joined the church. God loved you while you was a sinner. So just because you get changed uh, doesn't change him. His love doesn't come in and out. He's in love with you. God loves you. Online, listen to me. I don't care who you are, what shape you're in. God loves you. That's the truth. So we're trying to get love from God. The reason they're running around not understanding sanctification is you're trying to earn love from God. If I'll just be better and good enough, God will love me. And that's Satan's trick, right? You're either saved through the blood or you're not. That's how simple that is. He couldn't love you anymore. In fact, while you were a sinner, Romans 5, 8, he loved you. Nevertheless, there are multiple points of release which cannot flow as rapidly apart from the flow of the Spirit in your life. How many know speaking in an unknown tongue does release power from the Spirit? That's why Jude says so. Build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You want to build yourself up? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Not going to make you more righteous than the person who didn't. I wish somebody's helping me here. We're running around condemning people instead of informing people and inspiring people. Our goal here as pastors is to make you walk in holiness with God. It's not a shame. It's not something bad. It's not perverted. It's pure, blameless. And the Lord's coming. I mean, oh, we better get with the program. I said, we better get with the program. Somebody better learn this soon. And uh, why don't you just hit it? I'll tell you to hit it, brother, and you just slide it because I'm having issues up here. See, I told you I'm not perfect, and neither is my clicker. So God loves you just the way you are. That's true, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. If you allow him, he will make you who he intends you to be. Next slide, please. Our topic is simple, Christ-like character, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. And the starting place is the fear of God. Guess what we've lost in our nation? We've lost the fear of God. We've lost the fear of anything. We definitely lost the fear of the Word of God. We've lost respect for the church of God. We lost fear of God himself because we have the wrong fear. Fear in the Bible is synonymous with love. Fear the Lord and love the Lord are the same thing. Sanctification is loving God, hating sin, loving God. That's it. If you want the purest third grade level or less, get it here. You don't have to have a doctoral degree. Listen to me. Sanctification, living a holy life, is hating sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and loving God and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and prayer. That's it. It's, it's, it's one or the other. You can't have both. So, he really wants you to, to understand that without him, you cannot do it. So, nothing we produce, nothing. 
It's something God creates in us, and it's available to all of us. It's the will of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit, and he makes us holy. For it is Holy Spirit. Peter says, be ye holy. Jesus said, you know, God says, be ye holy as I am holy. And that seems to be unreachable, a daunting task, since God is holy. But it involves sacrifice, right? You have to die to yourself. And so we are so attracted to charisma, charismatic people, and slow to cultivate Christian character. Why is it so? And here's the reason. Because, stay right there on that slide. I'll tell you in the next one. The reason is, is because we, we want to be valued. Somebody value me. Somebody love me. Somebody affirm me. Somebody accept me. That's why we've taken a culture and we brought them into acceptance in the church, but we didn't care enough for them to see character built. So they think they can get saved and remain in sin. How many know that's detrimental for them to make heaven? You can't remain in sin. Although all have sinned, you now have power through Christ to abstain from sin. It doesn't make you perfect. It just means you don't live now willfully in disobedience of God. Redemption says, I am justified by faith, and now I'm being sanctified. So I am saved, right? I was saved, I am saved, and I am being saved. That's the essence of sanctification. So it's important that you catch it because if you don't, if you don't understand Christian character, you're really not going to understand. It's a direct relationship between what God does in me and what, what he freely does through me. And the Holy Spirit is flowing, making it happen. So if I walk in the Spirit, I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what does that mean, Pastor? It means that if I'm going to walk in holiness with God, I'm going to have to crucify the flesh. The flesh is the enemy of the believer. Is anybody getting this? The enemy, I've met your enemy. It's you. It's your flesh. It's me. It's my flesh. It's the world. It's Satan. It's the devil. Are you hearing me? So what do we do then, Pastor? How do we develop Christian character? Next slide. Let's keep going. It's important that you catch it because we're always seeking value from other people. And charisma without character is a catastrophe. There's a lot of people who can show people their value and charisma. But character is what you are in the dark when nobody's looking. That's true character. So you have a private life and you have a public life. Sometimes as ministers, we can fall short, right? I mean, even ministers have a trouble. We're fighting the same devil, flesh, and world that you are. And they can come in. Your attitude can change. You can develop. Anybody here cup and attitude? Do you even know what that means? Anybody ever lose your temper? We're not preaching on anger management. We're just trying to say you're just as lost as everybody else, right, when it comes to humanity. But in your humanity, it's not going to get it. You have to be redeemed. And then once you receive power, he, he gives you power to become. That's a good word to me. So I'm not what I used to be. But thank God, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I said, thank God I'm not what I used to be. I know I'm not what I ought to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. And if you'll be patient with me, you'll see what I'm going to be. Are you seeing that? That's sanctification. It's a progress of becoming more like Jesus. It's a character change. So 
We're going to look at it. I don't know how long we have to stay on this topic. It's a big one. But God's working to mold us into his likeness. You were created in his image. And Romans 1 says we have what? Exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we were worshiping now the created instead of the creator. So now we worship trees and, and animals. And, 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 and you know, Pastor, I love pets. We all do. But you'll turn TV on and there's these, these dogs and, and now elephants. And I saw recently lions and tigers. Boy, it's depressive. I just want to write a check, like million dollars here. Give it to the tiger. Give it to the tiger, please. Don't let the tigers go extinct. And yet all the while the church is going extinct. The born-again believer full of the Holy Ghost is going to be extinct if we don't keep teaching this. Pastor, you hate tigers? No, I love the tigers. Go tigers. Go tigers. But we're so moved by all this created stuff. And we're not moved by the creator. And that's what's got us in trouble. Now we worship ourselves. And we say to God, you can't tell me the image I need to be. I'll be what image I want to be. God, help us. You can't tell me I'm a man. I'll be whatever I want to be. See that? You know what that is? Rebellion, which is worse than the sin of witchcraft. It's anarchy. It is lawlessness. You can't tell me, you know, and you don't have authority over me. You don't rule me. I mean, oh, one of these days, <laughs> the first time he came as, as Savior, the next time he's coming as judge. So you go ahead and play church. Go ahead and act like you can be a cat or a mouse or whatever you want to be. But how many know God's coming back? The text said he's coming back. So he's wanting to make us holy. He's wanting to make us holy. He's wanting to make us more like him. You were washed. You were sanctified, it says. You were justified in the name of the Lord and and by the Spirit of our God. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us into his own glory and excellence. Sanctification comes from God. It's from his work. It's from his power. In our own strength, we can produce. We can't produce anything because we have no holiness within. There was nothing there to make us holy. But how many know when you receive Jesus? I said when Jesus resides in, then he takes, the spirit takes the flesh. If we will renounce the flesh, how many know the spirit will live? If you endorse the flesh, embrace the flesh, the spirit will not live. Is anybody catching this? So let's simplify and make it easy. Charisma without character is a catastrophe. You're not going to make it. Let's go on. Let's go on because they're, they're mesmerized. I'm looking in their eyes and they're mesmerized by the message. So how do we practically apply this? How do we put on the new man, Pastor? Obviously, to put on the new, you have to take off the old. Come on, give me an amen here. It's a simple concept. To put on the new, you have to take off the old. Right? To put on dancing and joy, you have to take off mourning and the grave clothes. Right? You can't have God and mammon. You can't have it both ways. So it requires a lifestyle of repentance. What does this mean? It means I'm willing, I'm willing to say I was. You remember Fonzie on Happy Days? He couldn't say he was. 
Hey, he couldn't say I was. Listen, six hardest words in the English language. I am sorry I was wrong. Hard to do, isn't it? It takes humility. It takes sacrifice. It takes it takes a dying to self. Listen, I've been married 40 years. It's hard to say we're wrong. In fact, I don't know if I've ever been right. But I have been married. If you can learn how to repent, I asked Brother Janway. He was married 50 years to his bride. I was superintendent of Louisiana. I said, Brother Janway, Melissa and I were a young couple. I said, Brother Janway, how did you and Sister Janway make it all these years? And he said, well, Brother Moran, he said, I forgave a lot. I said, I'm sure Sister Janway forgave a lot, too. I mean, if you're going to make it with God, you better learn how to say you're sorry. I mean, genuine repentance. It's a lifestyle. So what we've done in the, in the Ozarks or in the Bible Belt or in the culture here is we said, once you're saved, you're always saved. So once you repent, you're good for life. I mean, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell. So, yes, you're justified by receiving Christ, but you've got to get down to the altar more than one time in your life. Whether your altar is in your house or whether your altar is in the church, I mean, you've got to learn how to walk in a lifestyle of repentance. Learning to say, I'm sorry. So the Holy Spirit's doing his part. What's his part? He's putting his finger on an area where you need to get right. It's called conviction. Let me say it again in case you missed it. Conviction. It's the opposite of convenience. But we've made, a, you know, the church today, we don't want to offend anybody, so we made everything convenient. Yeah, just come on. I won't preach against uh, sin. Uh, we'll call it different things, like an alter- alternative alternative lifestyle or, or um, Christian alcohol. Let's try to make up something uh, to make it look good and sound good and not offend you because we don't want you. We want you to be comfortable in your sin. I mean, that's why the church is so anemic and weak. Because nobody's standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord, this is the Bible. Get it right or you're going to get left. Nobody's saying that. So we're coddling and we're cuddling and we're just conveniently making the church. It's called seeker sensitive. Well, how about saint sensitive? You know what happened in the seeker sensitive church? All the saints began to do what the seekers were doing. Now everybody's casual. Casual, and I'm not talking about dress alone. I've seen them wear more to Walmart than they do the house of God. Hello. And so, you know, well, I just well, I just feel like dressing any way I want, doing anything I want, say whatever, I'll go wherever I want. You're not my boss. No, I'm not, but I do know your boss. And he wrote me a letter to tell you. It's rebellion. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to tell me how to live. And so legalistic idea of church brought that on. Because we forced holiness, now we've pendulum and swung all the way over here to liberalism. Now you can't tell us what to do. We're not walking by the law. We're walking by grace. Well, grace is not cheap. I mean, no, he paid his life's blood for you to be free. And so we have to deal with it. We have to deal with it moment by moment. He's working it out. Every day, maybe you can be encouraged as we open our hearts, seek sanctification. Seek the Holy Spirit. Ask him to help you learn how to repent quicker. So sanctification is not a slow process I'll never get to. It's instant. 
right? It's instant, and yet it's, it's still progressive. You're becoming. I hope to be better. How many hope to be better tomorrow than I was last year? You heard some of the students. Last year I went, but this year I got more, right? And every day is like that. We can be more and more like Jesus every day. But we have to get a vision of, of who he is. And the word of God is a clear vision of the image of Christ. So we're being changed, transformed from glory to glory, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so I have to, what? I have to sacrifice. I have to become a living sacrifice daily, crucifying the old man and putting on the new man and, and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit who says, hey, Ron, your attitude stinks. Get that thing right. Or you lost your anger. You lost your temperature. Get that thing right. You disrespected Miss Melissa. Get that thing right. You disrespected somebody else. Get that thing right. Or it could get worse. But how many know sin is sin? I said sin is sin. And if you're grappling with sin, I want to take the pressure off of you today. You're not expected to be perfect. You're expected to be forgiven. And to be forgiven, you have to ask for forgiveness. Right? Doesn't the Bible say that if you confess your faults? I said it said if you confess your sin, he is it's the same as our text. He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us and cleanse us from what? Some of your unrighteousness? All of your unrighteousness. You see that? That means that you have the propensity and the potential to walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't make you perfect because he's going to present you faultless at the coming of the Lord. I said, the Lord, you know, he's going to present God. Jesus is going to present God a church that's without spot or wrinkle. Right now, Oak Grove is filled with spots and wrinkles. Just look at your neighbor and say, my, I've never seen such spots and wrinkles. Just tell them that. My goodness. Look at the spots and wrinkles all over you. Some of you have more spots and some of you have more wrinkles. The fact of the matter is you're... <laughs> The fact of the matter is you're not glorified yet. I tell you, I struggle with this verse because I thought I would have to be spotless, perfect. I did. I thought I had to be perfect. And I just thought, some days I just said, you know what? I don't think I can do this. It was hard, Max. I just didn't think I could really become anything God wanted me to be. Till I read it in, in its right context, it says that, that Christ is going to present us to God. He's going to present us to God. You understand? Not how we are now. But he's going to change this old body into a glorified body. Oh, hey, 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 Brother Dennis didn't go to heaven the way he was here. How many know the, the corruptible is going to put on incorruption? The mortal is going to put on immortality. I said that seed that was from here is going to die, and a new seed, a resurrected life, is coming. That's called glorification. So you're not there yet. So I'm here to encourage you, not to discourage. So you're not what you're going to be at heaven, but you, you need to be, what you need to be here is more like Jesus. Not more like the Pastor Ron or your celebrity pastor you watch online. The next podcast. Some of you watching so many podcasts, you're out of your mind. I mean, you're so filled with all different kinds of thoughts. And listen, listen. <laughs> You, 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 can get taken, uh, you can get taken by some of this stuff. 
And they sound charisma. They sound really appeasing. And they really sound impressive. But you don't know their lifestyle. I said, you don't know their lifestyle. And some of them, listen to this. Some people are paying their tithe to people online and on TV. Shame, shame. I said, shame, shame. The tithe belongs in the storehouse. You come in here and suck the air conditioning and give your tithe to somebody on the TV you never met. Or the lack thereof air conditioning. Because I, for you, for you, this is how much I love you. I didn't touch the air conditioning today. You want to know how pastor loves you? I love you. I'm sweating like a dog up here. With a coat on. Because I love you. Sounded not that much love, but there's a lot of love there. Let me get my napkin. There's a lot of love there. First Peter 1, 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. He's the sanctifier. For obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's go to the next slide. We, we have to take probably some more time to deal with this. Two things to remember. We can't do this in our own strength. And the second thing is, it's a progression of growing in Christ. So don't beat yourself up today. Pastor is, is not trying to create an environment for you to feel guilt and shame and low and, and, and not holy. I'm trying to give you the reality that on your best day, you're not going to be good enough to get God. But by grace, we're saved through faith. Come on now. It's a gift from God and not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. You see that? So we're walking. He's in favor of us. He wants us to make it. He's helping us make it. He knows we stumble. He knows we fall. But we have an advocate with the Father. Now, Melissa's a legal beagle, paralegal. She knows what an advocate is. Some of you work in social work. You know what an advocate for children is and an advocate for the, for the uh, uh, unborn babies, right? How many thinks we ought to be an advocate for the unborn? Come on now. So, so what that means is they can't defend themselves, so we defend them. In America, we should defend the unborn. Okay, y'all got me scared there for a little bit. And so we're defending the tiger and the lion and the elephant and the baby and the dog, and, and we're killing the babies. See how crazy that is? That's insane. And so we should have an advocate who's on our defense. On our behalf, he's standing on our behalf. Where is he now? He's standing as the judge of all the earth, and he's standing there on the, on the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for you and for me. He wants you to make it. He wants me to make it. I said he's filling us with his spirit. He's giving us his love. He's teaching us his word. The Holy Spirit is illuminating not only my sin, where I can get correction through repentance, but he's illuminating the word and Jesus. Jesus is being made big by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's making Jesus big in my life. Why does he need to be big in my life? He needs to be big so I can see the example of who I ought to be. His character should be my character. You seeing that? And so that's what his job is. He's the, he's the sanctifier. Wow. It's, it's, it's purifying our hearts and our minds. It's, it's purposeful. And it's also it's also painful. I tell you, it's easy to crucify your flesh. It's hard to crucify mine. It's easy for me to point the finger at you. 
but it's tough to point the finger at me. Right? Because <laughs> it's so hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> but we studied James 4 last week in the young adults, and James said, God, resist the proud. What? And he gives grace to the humble. So, so if you really want to walk in holiness, I gotta quit. We got we're gonna have to do this. If you really want to walk in holiness, you have to humble yourself and repent. Say, Father, I have messed up, and I really could use a double dose of the Holy Ghost. Illuminate your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Light up my way, God. Light up my way, my path. I can't go very far, but I, if you can light it, I can walk. As, and John says, walk in the light as you see the light. So if you light my path, I'll keep walking as much as I can see. But it's a very dark world out there. I said, it's a very dark world out there. And there's temptations. Anybody face temptation? So just because you're justified and in right standing with God doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. In the assumptions of God for a long time, people thought, well, when I get saved, I'll never be tempted again. Glory to God. I mean, no, that's not true. In fact, you're going to get double tempted, quadruple tempted, more tempted than you've ever been tempted, especially if you try doing something for God. Every step you take, you draw near to God. How many know he draws near to you? So you've got to humble yourself. That's the first step. Let's, let's say next slide real quick and, and let these people go. Pharaoh, let my people go. So, Pastor, how much depends on the Holy Spirit's role and how much depends on me cultivating the disciplines of the throne? Isn't that a good question, Max? I just want to give it to you so I can teach it to you. Next slide. There's no such thing as victory without a battle. So it depends on the Holy Spirit. It's the one who's wanting to make me holy, but it depends on me to, re- to release to him uh, for, you know, forgiveness, confession of sin. Uh, when he convicts me, I respond immediately, not put it off. Not put it off. Go to altar and hear preaching after preaching after preaching and never make an altar as if you're perfect or something. How I many of you don't? You know you're not perfect. At least your spouse knows you're not. So there's no victory uh, without a battle. Next slide. And uh, when we're most aware of the activity of sanctification is in times of adversity. How is it that uh, most people, 95% of people who come into Christ, come in through adversity? And most people who cry out to God, Lord, help me, humble me, is whenever things are going really bad. You know what I mean? 9-11 is a good example. They were lined up to go to church one week after 9-11. In New York, you couldn't even get a spot, couldn't get a seat in the church house one week after 9-11. Six months after 9-11, the same church was vacant of any people. So we find his way when we seem to find out our way doesn't work. It's a shame that we have to get to the end of ourselves before we grab a hold of the Lord. Here's what I found, and I'm going to close. Chrissy, you and the team, Mike, can come back, and I'll have to teach more of this later. Next slide, buddy. Here's what I found in church. That's it? That's it? Perfect. Everybody's happy about that. What I found in church is this. People don't mind uh, getting saved or making a decision for Christ. That's a whole lot easier than becoming a disciple. So being justified is easy. Being sanctified, how many know that's tough? But the old timers used to say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember that? On my way to heaven. So here's the deal. 
the reason discipleship is so hard in the church today is because because people are 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 grabbing a hold of God or are, are letting go of the world and Satan and the world and the devil and the flesh. They're letting go of it in an effort to get saved. So they so so repentance is turning from sin and turning to God. Yes, that's awesome. It's about to get really good in here. So it's turning away from sin, turning to God. But what happens is they don't lay hold of eternal life. Paul told Timothy, lay hold of eternal life. You get God in his lapel and don't let him go. Hold on to God. Hold to God's unchanging word. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Let go of the world and grab a hold of God. Because if you don't, the tendency is, if you don't get a hold of God. Is anybody getting this picture? If you don't get a hold of God, the tendency is, go right back to the things that got a hold of you. And that's it. So I'm encouraging you today to lay hold of eternal life. Get a hold of God today. Let's, let's stand. And uh, I'm going to pick up sanctification.